Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Branica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. This is episode 19 as we come back from the All-Star break. Today's show is being brought to you by Garner Framing Company. They ask, if there was one thing you could do, one bold action you could take, one inspired choice you could make, one investment guaranteed to transform Memphis, would you do it? Well, if that answer is yes, here's your chance. The Grizzlies Foundation is looking for Memphians to be the difference in a child's life by becoming a volunteer mentor. There are 800 youth in Memphis waiting for your decision today, so don't delay. Join the movement. Become a mentor at grizzliesfoundation.org. This message brought to you through the generous support of Garner Framing Company, serving Memphis for 70 years and a proud supporter of the Memphis Grizzlies Foundation. Because of COVID, they're now doing all their framing consultations by appointment. All you have to do is call them at 901-685-7796. Chris Garner and company will take really good care of you, and I guarantee you will be pleased with the final result of your framing project because uh, Garner does absolutely fantastic work. This is episode 19, as I said, and uh, what we've got in today's show, well, not a whole lot to talk about, and that was the week that was because we were on all-star break, but we will talk about the Milwaukee Bucks game a little bit. Grizzlies coming up a point short against Milwaukee in the final game before the all-star break. Handful of Petey's points as well, and then part two of our conversation with John Hollinger. That'll be today's friend of the program segment. Talk with John about what uh, he thinks about the Memphis Grizzlies and where they are right now heading into the All-Star break. And we'll also get his take on analytics versus the eye test and uh, candid conversation on what the numbers mean and what numbers mean more than others. So we have that coming up as well. So without further ado, let's get to That Was the Week That Was. Well, on Thursday, March 4th, the last game before the All-Star break, Grizzlies took on the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks jumped out on the Grizzlies early, 31-17 after one quarter. Bucks would lead by as many as 18, but the Grizzlies started to work their way back into the second quarter. And then in the third quarter, they made their move. They were outscoring the Bucks 33-23 in the third quarter. So we go into the final quarter, and we are all even. Grizzlies had an opportunity, but... Drew Holiday with a jumper, two seconds left over Dylan Brooks. Makes it 112-111. Desmond Bain gets a desperation three off. It was not the original design of the play, but uh, Milwaukee took away the initial options. And Milwaukee walks out with a 112-111 victory. Giannis Adetokounmpo with 26 points, 11 boards, 8 assists, and 2 steals. Great game from him. Double-double for Chris Middleton. 22 points, 10 rebounds from him. Grizzlies got a second consecutive 35-point effort from John Morant. Great night for him, particularly at the free-throw line. John got to the line 11 times and made 10 of those. Those are the types of numbers that you would really like to see. You know, the Grizzlies' assist numbers have been down recently. Part of that is because John has been doing a better job of, of scoring the ball. So he finishes with 35 points, 5 assists, 6 boards. And, uh, you know, the only downside of this, he was 3 of 13 from 3. Teams are going to continue to go under screens and dare him to shoot from outside. If he gets the three-point shot rolling, so much the better. But for the first time in franchise history, a player has scored 35 or more points in consecutive games. Grizzlies also got a good effort from Dylan Brooks. 23 points, 7 assists, 3 steals from him. Grizzlies didn't get a lot out of their bench uh, six by Brandon Clark, six by DeAnthony Melton, nine from Justice Winslow, I beg your pardon, nine from Tyus Jones off the bench. 
Uh, Justice Winslow with a season-high 10 rebounds off the bench. Uh, Grizzlies did not give a lot of time to their bench. Uh, Ja played basically 39 minutes. Dylan played 35. Uh, Desmond Bain got the start. Grayson Allen continues to be out with the NBA concussion protocol after the Paul George offensive foul uh, and, in fact, will not play in Wednesday night's game uh, against the Washington Wizards as the Grizzlies start the second half of the season. So what's ahead for the Grizzlies? Well, they have Washington in a rematch of a game that the Grizzlies won in D.C. just before the All-Star break. That comes up on Wednesday. Grizzlies get their first look at Denver on Friday, uh, and then they are going to be playing a three in four night stretch where they have an afternoon game Sunday afternoon at Oklahoma City, then back to back at Phoenix on Monday night, and then back home for Miami on St. Patrick's Day. And then, if you want to look out a little bit further, uh, the Grizzlies are going to have Golden State on the 19th and 20th of March inside FedEx Forum. So, uh, we touched on this previously. You've got 40 games in 68 days. Grizzlies had six games postponed due to health and safety protocols. Only one of those was able to be made up. So basically, you've got five more games uh, than you were hoping for in the second half of the season. Nobody will play more games in the second half of the season than the Memphis Grizzlies. Before we get to Petey's points, just want to ask you that if uh, you have been listening to the podcast and if you have been enjoying it, and I certainly hope that you have, please feel free to leave a rating and or a review uh, on whatever podcast platform uh, from which you are downloading this fine audio program. It uh, helps us define a little bit uh, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. So uh, please go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review, tell us if we're on the right track or if there's something else that, uh, that maybe you would like to hear. And of course, anytime I am open for questions, my DMs are open on my Twitter account, and it's very simply at Pete Pranica. P-E-T-E-P-R-A-N-I-C-A. Hit me up on DMs, and if I get enough questions, we'll open up the mailbag again, and uh, and we can do that. So, back to the program and Petey's points. I think uh, many of you have heard about Myers Leonard and the ethnic slur that he used while he was online doing some gaming uh, during a live stream. Uh, Then came out with an apology basically saying, I didn't know this offensive term for a person of the Jewish faith. I didn't know what it meant. Um, you know, I've, I've had, I, I don't know Myers Leonard. I've seen him play, obviously. Uh, I know people who have been with Myers Leonard, and they think he's a really, really good guy. I can't speak to that either way. All I can say is, you don't use words, typically. You don't use words that you don't understand or you don't know the meaning of. And when you go back and you listen to what was said, there is an expletive followed by a racial slur followed by another expletive. The words that were spoken were meant to hurt. Whether you understand them or not, if you claim that you don't understand what that, that slur means, What he said was meant to hurt the person to whom he was speaking. And then to come out with an apology and say, I didn't really know what that word meant. Come on. I mean, you know, the hate speech. Look, a little good-natured trash talking, cool, fine, I get it. 
it's it's part of the ethos of professional sports or sports in general. You talk trash to your opponent. You want to be witty. You want to be cutting. That's fine. But to be hurtful and to be as apparently intentionally hurtful as Myers Leonard was, that's not acceptable. I don't know what the NBA is going to do. They are investigating. The Miami Heat is basically kind of separating themselves from Myers Leonard at this point. Leonard is injured. He will not play the rest of this year. Several of his endorsement deals or marketing deals that he has with gaming companies, the gaming companies have stepped aside because of the hate speech. So, you know, I I hope he learns his lesson. I I just don't understand why you would use words that you don't understand. Uh, in in a situation like that. Don't like it. Hate the hate speech. Can't we just all get along? I guess that's that's my first Petey's point more than anything else. Number two, congratulations to Mike Conley finally making the All-Star game. Look, I get get it. A a lot of fantastic guards in the West. And as long as Chris Paul is in the league, he's going to go to the All-Star game. You know, regardless of whatever type season he's having, he is going to go. And I know, yeah, Mike was the replacement for a replacement, but he made the game. And even if you view it as kind of a lifetime achievement award for him, I think it's fantastic. Mike has always been productive on the floor. He has been classy off the floor. He's won the Twyman Stokes Award as as best teammate. Um, He's a guy you want to have around. And I think Mike Conley, his performance on the floor, his comportment off the floor speaks to the very best of what the NBA can be about. And having done a lot of events for Mike and for his foundation and, and getting to know him and his wife Mary a little bit, um, I'm just I'm just thrilled for both of them. I'm thrilled for their family. Uh, I'm thrilled for Mike's folks because this has been such a long time coming. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that it finally happened for Mike, even though he wasn't voted in. And like I said, replacement for a replacement. But you know what? He's an NBA All-Star, and you can never take that away from him. Final Petey's point. I know a lot of people are are, are upset coming back from the All-Star break, and we got the injury report uh, coming back into town on Tuesday night that Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, the recovery from the meniscus surgery, would not be available for the first game after the All-Star break. And I know a lot of people are asking, and they're hitting me up on Twitter, when's Jaron coming back? Bottom line is, we don't know. Um, Look, Jaron's meniscus was repaired. It was not removed. If you remove it, maybe he comes back quicker. But the longer-term results aren't going to be as good as a repair. And look, the Grizzlies view Jaron Jackson Jr., along with John Morant, as being their franchise players going forward. And they are not going to take any risks at all in, in trying to get him back. And when you look at it, the Grizzlies are at 500 without Jaron Jackson Jr. So they are solidly in the race to at least make the play-in situation without Jaron. So there is no real upside to gambling on his health and bringing him back too early. I'd like to see him on the floor. Everybody would like to see him on the floor. Jaron wants to be on the floor. But look, let's take it easy. Let's take the long view. That's what the Grizzlies are doing. You know, if the, if the Grizzlies were, you know, way out of the playoff picture, you know, I, I don't know that they'd rush him back either. But the fact of the matter is, they're at 500 at the All-Star break, and Jaron has yet to see the floor. So I know it's hard to be patient. I know we want to see him out there. I'm just going to put my faith in the Grizzlies front office and in their medical staff that they're doing the right thing for Jaron's long-term health. So 
you know, you got to think beyond this season. What about next season and the season after that? You want to make sure that Jaron has a long and potentially all-star career with the Memphis Grizzlies. And you, you don't want to jeopardize that by rushing him back too quickly. So those are the PD's points for today. And a reminder that today's program is being brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players. If you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. Former resident of Hoop City is today's friend of the program. It is part two of our conversation with former Grizzlies basketball executive John Hollinger, now writing for The Athletic and uh, knows a lot about the NBA, obviously. Uh, Came to prominence because of his understanding of analytics and numbers and what they can mean in the NBA game. And so in part two of our conversation, we talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. We talk about the Sloan Analytics Conference at MIT. And uh, what numbers are most germane to defining the identity of an NBA team? Today's friend of the program, it's John Hollinger. John, I want to talk a little bit about the the analytical side of the NBA. Uh, You had talked about with the pandemic, you're not able to go and talk to people, see teams in person. How do you best balance the numbers with the eye test in evaluating whether that's evaluating a coach, a player, or a team overall. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's where the art meets the science. Right. And, and I would add not just the eye test, but the ear test, right? Like the, the background information you get on people and what they're about and their work ethic and, and all, all that weighs in, um, obviously the, you know, the analytics give you a base to say, kind of what is, what is probable? Uh, what are your, I, I look at, I look at it a little like going to Vegas, they'll tell you other things being equal. What are the odds? And, you know, what are the odds of this being a successful contract or what are the odds of this player becoming a starter and things like that? Uh, but that other things being equal assumption is really important because other things are never equal. And so that's where, the eye test, the ears, that's where all that comes in to tell you, okay, now what are the things that the numbers aren't seeing? Um, which, you know, which is a thing, you know, when I, when I would discuss with our scouts, um, I'd be like, my perspective was always, okay, I know what the numbers say. I don't need you guys to repeat that, but tell, tell me, tell me what the numbers aren't saying. So the numbers basically are predictive and the eye and the ear test you marry they're, they're, those two to, to, yeah. to get a fuller picture. Yeah, exactly. Like they're, they're predictive, but they're not absolute. They just, they just tell you where the, where the probabilities lie. Uh, and you got, you got to figure out what's different about this situation that alters those probabilities. Is that, is that a brewer's sweatshirt that you are wearing? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so, so all, all right. All right. So, so you, you know, you, you, you made your bones in, in, uh, in, in Portland writing about the NBA. Okay. Milwaukee Brewers. I'm a Wisconsin guy. Where, where does that come from? 
Uh, I just had to be different. Uh, I grew up in a family of uh, Yankees and Mets fans in New Jersey, and I was the fourth of five, and I just had to have my own team. Uh, so when I was a kid, you know, it was right when the, they were getting good with Molitor, Yount, Gorman, Thomas, those teams. Harvey, uh, Harvey, Harvey's wall bangers. Harvey's wall bangers. Yeah. I got, I got a Vukovic jersey actually hanging in the background here somewhere. So, uh, yeah. So th- th- that, was, that was my team. Okay, listeners, uh, pardon that brief digression from the NBA <laughs> to Major League Baseball for a second. Um, you know, when I, when I prepare for a game, I do look at a number of analytical numbers. And, you know, offensive rating, defensive rating, net rating, I like to look at the percentage of assisted baskets to help me identify the strengths and weaknesses of a team. Are there particular numbers that are most important to you when you try to identify the identity of a team and whether or not they're going to be successful? Yeah, I mean, I, I try, kind of try to dig at the, the why of how they have their overall ranking. You know, if like I'll look at Memphis, for instance, this year, I'll say, okay, they're a top 10 defense, why? And then the thing that really that stands out, obviously, is they're number one in forcing turnovers. So you, you immediately glom onto that. Uh, so I try to get into the four factors of each team. Uh, you know, are they drawing fouls? Are they shooting threes often? And if so, how accurately? Uh, where are they shooting from? Uh, and how often, how often do they shoot? Like turnovers and offensive rebounders put, put together. Like that's been one of the big issues with Miami this year is just they, they take so many fewer shots than, than the other team that, that they have to shoot really well to win. And when we were good in Memphis, it was kind of the opposite that we were really good at offensive rebounds and we rarely turned the ball over. So even though our, our average shot was maybe not, not, not as accurate as another team's, uh, we took more of them than our opponent. And so we could usually win because of that. Yeah. Everything tends to balance out after a while. That's the beauty of a box score. It always, it always has to balance out in one, in some way, shape or form. We often hear about the Sloan conference at MIT talking about analytics Uh, for those of us who have not been invited and uh, are unfamiliar with it. uh, Tell us a little bit more about that conference because it seems to be pretty, (laughs) pretty important in the sports world. Yeah, they're doing it virtually this year, which is going to be new and different. It's funny because almost exactly a year ago, I was at that conference and it was really when people were starting to realize that things were getting bad. You know, they're doing all the, the you know, wiping down the railings and people doing elbow handshakes and stuff. And uh, that was like the beginning of the end right there. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I guess it's kind of like Geek Woodstock. Like there's so many people there now. It's such a big event. Um, and it really didn't start out that way. It was just, it was a very small thing in a couple of classrooms at MIT and it's just grown and grown and grown, which is, which is tremendous. I mean, I give Daryl Morey, uh, who's now the GM of the Sixers and Jessica Gelman, the, the other, uh, the woman who, uh, who runs that conference, uh, a lot of credit for turning this thing into the massive event that it is. And, What's, what's cool is that um, like there, there's definitely more mass market things at it now, but you can still find like the nerdy stuff if you look for it. Uh, and, you know, in terms of the papers for the conference and some of the research presentations and so, some of the smaller uh, kind of discussions are end up being the more interesting ones. It's as funny as that, as that sounds. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just become a, a massive Massive thing. It's I could never imagined it turning out to be such a huge deal. But it has been. It has been. Now, as we head into the second half of the season, uh, Utah probably 
one of the big surprises in the NBA. What's been the secret sauce to them besides Mike Conley having an all-star worthy year and another season in which he will not go to the all-star game? Oh, don't get me started on that. I know. So happy for Mike, obviously just, you know, one of the best people we've ever dealt with, uh, you know, in Memphis or anywhere else in my career. So, uh, you know, you start with him, but I, th- I think they've really been successful in building an entire system around the talents of Rudy Gobert in terms of having threatening shooters around him so that defenses have an impossible choice when he crashes the rim on offense. And then basically setting up their defense to funnel guys to him uh, and, and let him dominate on the inside. And so uh, if you could, you could sort of see that coming together in the playoffs last year. And Nikola Jokic turned out to be their kryptonite a little bit. Uh, so it'd be interesting if they have to play Denver again. But otherwise, I think they're in really good shape. Like, I think they're a legitimate contender that they can beat either of the LA teams. I'm not saying they will beat them, but they certainly have the ability to. When, when you look at the talent they can put on the floor, especially their top seven, top eight players, who are the only guys you're going to play in, a, in an important playoff game anyway, uh, they, I mean, they look really good. And then in the East, Doc Rivers has Philadelphia uh, at the top of the table, as it were. Uh, you also have Milwaukee up there uh, and Brooklyn. I think if they ever get everybody healthy, is Brooklyn maybe the biggest challenger to the Lakers or whoever comes out of the West? Well, just because offensively they can get to such a high level, and I still think they're going to be able to get a little more help for themselves, either with the trade deadline or buyouts and and cement some of that front court a little bit. The one thing you still worry about is when they get to a playoff series and they have to play against Giannis or Joel Embiid, they really don't have the matchup for that. They may just score so much so easily that it doesn't matter, but that, that's the one thing you worry about with the, with the Nets. Our friend of the program today is John Hollinger, writer for The Athletic. At John Hollinger is the Twitter handle. John, because you've been in the front office and because you've been in the media, the, the question of the flow of information, how do Shams and Woj get all their information that they're always the ones who yeah. are breaking the news? How do they cultivate those relationships so that they can get that information out? Yeah. yeah. I mean, usually to break a transaction, that's usually coming from the agent side. Um, so th- th- that that one is is pretty straightforward. So some, some of the other news, that's, that's where, that's where you have, that's where you have to respect the grind they put in to, uh, uh, and, and those guys, I mean, they're, they're on 24 uh, seven, they don't stop. So it's, it takes, it takes a lot of hustle to be a, a newsbreaker, uh, in, in the NBA. And, uh, when you're dealing with 30 teams and all kinds of agents and, and players all over and, uh, as most of us know, have worked in this league, you know, the news tends not to break at one in the afternoon either. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> pretty, so, pretty much at any time of day or night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so, so it's, uh, you, you, you got to respect all, all it takes to, to do that job. Do you like where the NBA game is right now as a whole, the style of play, the quality of play? And if there's one thing, if John Hollinger is commissioner for a day, is there a rule change you make? Is there something you change about the NBA or is it just fine the way that Adam Silver has it? Uh, You get rid of the so-called Euro foul, uh, which oddly enough in in Europe, they don't even allow, they call an intentional foul on that and just give you two free throws. What I'm talking about is 
when the players intentionally take a foul to stop a fast break. Fast breaks are the most exciting plays in the game. Uh, and you, you want to keep, you want to have as many of them as possible. Uh, keep, keep that end to end action, keep the clock moving for another thing. Uh, so you just, you just gotta, gotta call those. Um, so I, I would say that is, that is the number one thing. And the clear path file rule really doesn't really doesn't handle that. It as arcane, it's as arcane sub, as it is. <laughs> it's a subset of that is, is what it is. There, there are so many other, other fouls that are not clear path fouls that are, that, that are done to prevent like a three-on-one break going the other way that like you have to punish those more severely uh, th- than the league has been willing to do. Yeah. Uh, final question for you, John. I know that uh, that you've been watching the Grizzlies and, and obviously with a, with a more than interested eye because you were part sure. of the organization. What, what have you seen from Taylor Jenkins and what he's been able to do with this group? Well, I think keeping this thing afloat without Jaron for the whole half of the year um, and some of the other injuries they've had, obviously he didn't have Ja for a while. Uh, several other players been in and out, had the COVID uh, shutdown and whatever. So I think that part's been really impressive. Um, they've managed to scratch out a halfway decent offense, despite not having a whole lot of shooting. Uh, and I think, I think that's been, that that's been really good. Uh, and then just, you know, he's been able to take advantage of their depth, which is the Grizzlies greatest strength. I think is that they can go, probably 13 deep with rotation caliber quality and a lot of other teams can't. So you see them get in these runs in the second quarter with bench groups or late third quarter. Uh, and, and he's really uh, managed that part of it. Well, uh, I'm really interested to see how they look once Jaron comes back. Cause then I, I think that shooting part of the equation will, will work out a lot better for him. There's hopefully more room for Jonas and the paint. Uh, so really excited to see what they can do in the second half of the season. And then the addition of Justice Winslow. I know it's a very, very small sample size. Have you had a chance to to see his game and how he's integrated? Yeah, I mean, I watched a little bit of the Washington game last night, but I kind of lost interest because it wasn't that close. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I don't have a really good book yet on how he how he fits in with this group. But I think generally, if they're shooting around him, it's going to be a lot easier for him. Uh, and... I, you know, I wonder, I, I've seen like, he's been coming off the bench, which I think, you know, can he be that like lead ball handler sometimes with the second group uh, when, when Jaws out of the game uh, and add some shot creation? Uh, I think that's a really interesting role for him. So yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, we hadn't seen him in a long time, even before the trade because uh, he hadn't played for Miami even before then. So I'm kind of excited to see where he's at and, and what he can do in the second half of the season. John, thanks you. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, I just want to point out to our listeners that you know we've been going at this for you know the better part of half an hour, and you have yet to take a sip of coffee. That's to me, that's a major. You know upset. why? It's it's out of reach. I don't know if you can see that mug behind me, but like okay. I can't get there. And I, yeah, it's been if I it was a fail by me to not have it on on my desk before we started. Uh, John Hollinger, formerly with ESPN and with the Grizzlies, now with The Athletic, at John Hollinger is the Twitter handle. John, thank you so much for the time. All right, Pete. Thanks for having me. And our thanks to John for visiting with us. Hopefully you found that to be uh, an enlightening conversation. Conversations with John usually are. Um, but great to, uh, great to catch up with him as we head into the second half of the NBA season. 
Um, you're starting to see now more and more people being vaccinated. Um, you know, hopefully we're going to get some more people in arenas. That'd be kind of cool. But, uh, you know, at, at this point, players themselves not eligible for for vaccines as we work through the CDC guidelines to get uh, people inoculated. And uh, hopefully we can get back to normal sooner rather than later. In fact, Adam Silver talking during his All-Star press conference, the hope is that next year will be as close to normal as possible. And some something of a, a surprise, at least to me, uh, the fact that we may have Summer League next year. Uh, not sure exactly how that's going to look, if it's going to be the standard show in Vegas or if it's going to be a little bit different. But Adam Silver saying that while there are no concrete plans in place, the hope is that they would have Summer League next year. And that's going to come right on the heels of the NBA Finals. So it's going to be a crazy, crazy, crazy second half of the season into the playoffs and then perhaps into Summer League. And maybe the 21-22 NBA season, we will be back to normal where broadcasters can sit courtside and fans can be in the stands and we can have NBA basketball the way we have known to uh, come to know and love it. Well, this has been episode 19 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. It has been brought to you today by the Youth Athletic Foundation. The mission of the Youth Athletic Foundation is to assist student-athletes in developing a strong work ethic through discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Their goal, to help youngsters understand the importance of working hard to be the best they can be, whether that's on the court, in the classroom, or in the community. The YAF has donated millions of dollars to charities, families, local high schools, and youth sports programs. Hope you enjoyed today's show, working on a guest list for the second half of the season. Not going to spill anything just yet. Want to get confirmation from some people uh, before we actually start promoting uh, interviews and uh, future friends of the program. But we promise to keep you updated on everything that's going on with the Memphis Grizzlies as they make a bid to get back into the NBA postseason. Looking forward to the return of Jaron Jackson Jr., hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, Grizzlies have recalled Jonte Porter and Sean McDermott from the G League. G League bubble is now over. Uh, in Orlando, and so the Grizzlies will have a couple more healthy bodies that uh, that they can add to the roster as well. Well, like I said, this has been episode 19 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.